0: Those of you who remember the mysteries of the rosary will recognize that um, here we have the visitation played out um, in today's gospel. It seems a a fitting time to consider um, our devotion to the Blessed Mother and where does it come from, from whence does it come, and, and why would we continue it? The first thing to remember, like even if we just look at the Hail Mary, is that the hail. The first half of the Hail Mary is completely scriptural. It comes right from the scriptures, right? The uh, the first part, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you, is of course the Annunciation, right? It's the words of the archangel Gabriel to Mary. It comes right from scrip- scripture itself, and given that an angel is a messenger of God. It's really God's words to Mary. That's what we believe that angels are. They're messengers. They're conveying God's word. And so they're conveying what God thinks of Mary. Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. And then, of course, we get to, to uh, post-Annunciation, and Mary travels to see her, uh, her relative, Elizabeth, who she's been told is, is also pregnant with child, and and she's much, much older, much, much older. And custom would have dictated that actually as Mary went to meet her, Mary would have given her a great deal of reverence just, just out of respect. And yet the opposite happens, right? The opposite happens, which is that Elizabeth says to her, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb right the whole first half of the hail mary is scriptural she's full of grace from from there we extract all kinds of understandings about her what does it mean to be full of grace what does it mean that a virgin is is bearing a child What does it mean that she's blessed among women? What does it mean that Elizabeth even is able to say, how is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Right, already there's this proclamation of not only who Mary is, but who Jesus is. And then of course, the the rest of the Hail Mary, we're asking her to pray for us, which seems to be a kind of a neighborly thing to do. We ask all kinds of people to pray for us. Why would we not ask Mary? Interestingly, we have archaeological proof that the first century Christians who are all Catholic, everybody was Catholic, the first century Catholics on their tombstones, you can go and see it to this day, asked for Mary and St. Peter to pray for their dead. It's written on the, on the tombstones themselves or in the, in the catacombs that already, first century, we believed that praying for, asking people who had died to pray for relatives was something beneficial, something we we ought to do. The other thing, you know, people get hung up on, well, you have statues of Mary. Of course we do. I also have pictures of my father who has died. I have pictures of other people who have died. I have pictures of people who are still alive. And I ask all of them to pray for me. Why wouldn't we? Why is that so hard to jump to that conclusion? So the, the honoring of Mary should be relatively obvious, right? So Mary ch- or God chose to bring forth his son through one of us, right? And this was, of course, intentional. But why would he do that? Well, remember that it was through the first woman and man, the first woman and man, that sin entered the world and the downfall of the human race because of original sin, that original sin. And so as as the Father chooses to renew humanity and all of existence, he also uses us. He uses a woman a new Eve, who will not say no to God, but who will say yes to God, will say yes to God's plan, and she will bear, bear forth our salvation. This makes her incredibly, incredibly important and special, that God chose her for this task, that God prepared her, that Jesus himself created her along with the rest of the Trinity. That she would stand in this special way ahead, at the head of our redemption, cooperating in a special way. Now, this is not to say that Mary redeemed us, of course. It's the death of Christ on the cross that redeems us. But her yes was necessary. Her desire to cooperate with God was necessary. And because of her virtue and her holiness, salvation was allowed to come into the world. Why wouldn't we honor someone who had done? We honor all kinds of people. We honor all kinds of people who probably don't even deserve it. But she deserves this honor. And so as Catholics, we, do we sometimes get a little carried away? Yes. Because when we love, we love deeply. When we care, we care deeply. And so to outsiders, it might look, well, gosh, what are they doing? Well, we just love her. She's our mother, leave us alone. (laughs) Them's fighting words. She's our mother, back off. Okay, so I think though that perhaps the most important relevance to us is not necessarily of Mary, is not necessarily what we would gain from her, from her activity, but what we gain from her modeling for us. She is considered the disciple of Jesus par excellence, the most perfect disciple. And the reason is because even though she was given this heavy burden at a very young age, She said yes to God, and she continued to say yes to God's plan, right? So the angel Gabriel comes and says, you know, here's here's the beginning of the plan, and she says yes. But she had to continue to say yes, not just by becoming pregnant with Jesus, but also throughout the entirety of his life, she had to say yes. As she saw him suffer, as she saw him tortured, and ultimately as she watched her own son die, she had to continue to say yes to God's plan. We celebrate, of course, at Christmas, sort of the happy beginnings of the plan. But as the plan is fulfilled, there were many days for Mary that were not happy. There were many days where there there was mourning, there was probably worry, and fear and anxiety these are not sins but what mother would not be somewhat fearful for her son she trusts god but she's still somewhat fearful she doesn't want her son to suffer just like every mother but at each moment she saw this she saw the her son's life unfold unfold she had to say yes the good and the bad. And then, of course, imagine her joy on that Resurrection Day. Even though she said yes to God, she probably didn't understand all of it. She just knew that that's what you do. You say yes to God. She had a special grace given to her to be able to do so. And imagine her joy, and imagine the revelation as she sees her son once more, even, even within her, she trusted. But as she sees her son's son rise from the dead, and she sees him come back, imagine the joy that she had and the understanding that, okay, I trusted God, and I'm glad I trusted God. I get it now. And for all of us, the same. Trusting God is, is really sometimes a daily act. It really is. And trusting God in the happy times is easy. And thank goodness for the happy times. But trusting God when things turn bad, trusting God when it seems like his plan is off the rails, that's really hard. But that's particularly when virtue is seated within the soul, is when we choose to trust, even when it it looks like things are just going awry. That's when our virtue grows. That's when our holiness grows. And I have no doubt, for every single one of us, if we hold fast, if we stay strong, If we trust his plan, that just like Mary, when it's finally revealed to us, you know, his plan for our life, when it's finally fully revealed, we'll have that same sort of reaction of, I understand, I get it, he was always there, he was always guiding me, he knew what he was doing and I'm so glad I said yes. Please stand.